We're going to be talking a little bit about faith today. So I want to encourage you to kind of just, you know, whatever constructs you have, you know, that, that mental kind of food that we begin to do because we don't really understand it or make the connections. If you bear with me, the Holy Spirit is going to move in this room to remind you of why you're sitting in the seat you're sitting. Amen? Amen. Very early on in my children's life, I would take them to a public pool. We lived out in Long Island, and we would cross these railroad tracks, of course. My wife never liked the fact that we crossed the railroad tracks, but there was only one way to get there. Cross the railroad tracks. I did all these things with them, you know, just to make sure that they weren't fearful of things. Not that they played around or sat on the edge. It was that we crossed the tracks, went to this public pool, and uh, Christopher always, like, prepared to go swimming. Like, air moles, goggles, you know, the whole works. It was an adventure for him. On the other hand, Esther was very rambunctious. Everything that I did, she tried to follow along and do as well. And on this particular day, I stood on the edge, and I stood in the water, and I said, jump. Now, for that one moment, she had to process, can I trust him? She had to go through this mental uh, review of moments where there was proof and evidence that the words I used and the invitation I was making was real. We do that a lot in our lives. Needless to say, took her about 30 seconds to jump because she remembered. She remembered the night times when she couldn't sleep. She remembered who held her bicycle. She remembered who held her hand when she crossed the street. She remembered who the one who told her, I'll make sure nothing ever happens to you. There was proof. There was evidence. There was a history that she had experienced to allow her to trust, to take that leap of faith. And a lot of times in our own life, God is telling us, jump, jump. And sometimes what we do is we dip our feet to see how cold it is. It's going to require something of me. It's going to demand that I change. It's going to demand that I give this up. I got to tell you something, that walking with God is a walk of faith. If you hold on to the hand of Jesus, every step of the way, listen, I've had holy moments and I've had horrible moments. I've had twists and turns, peaks and valleys, up and downs. But if you hold on to his hand, every single step of the way, he promises to be with you because faith is not a station, it's a journey. Let's say that together. Faith is not a station, it is a journey. And that is the beauty because faith is not this one-time dose, this shot that we get. It's not that we stand still and just wait. Faith continues to move us, to get us up in the morning, to allow us to do everything we do day in and day out. We hope and we have faith. And it's in Hebrews that Paul's write this amazing story, and he puts up this faith wall just to give you evidence, evidence and proof that faith works. And it's not faith in something. It's faith in someone. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. 
So uh, it's a custom in this church, a tradition that we keep and we stand at the reading of God's word. Amen? We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 11. It'll be on the screen. We're all going to read together. Amen? Amen. All of us is going to read together at the uh, count of three. Amen? One, two, three. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It was their faith that made our ancestors pleasing to God. Because of our faith, we know that the world was made at God's command. We also know that what we can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. Because Abel had faith, he offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. God was pleased with him and his gift, and even though Abel is now dead, his faith still speaks for him. Enoch had faith and did not die. He pleased God and took him of the demise. That's why his body was never found. Without faith, no one can please God. We must believe that God is real and that he rewards everyone such as for That is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. If you continue to read the chapter, you will see this wall of faith of men and women that had persevered, endured, and hoped. And he puts that there as proof for us. I want to read the first uh, verse that says, faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof. I've circled the word sure, which is confident in what one thinks or knows, having no doubt that one is right. I've also circled the word proof which means evidence or argument establishing a fact or the truth of a statement. Now, I believe that everybody in this room is on a faith journey. You're in this room today, and that's great. We're glad that you're here. But we're all on a faith journey. And it's important for us to understand that along the way, all of us in this room, at one time or another, we've been bombarded with God. Like, like there's nobody in the world that doesn't know about God. There are few who know God, but there are many. Everybody has heard at one time or another, whether it's the billboard, the commercial, the, the dumb joke, you always hear the name of Jesus being proclaimed. It's always being put out there. So along the way, all of us from very young, amen, have begun this faith journey. Now, you have to be mindful that in this faith journey, you're going to experience so many different things. But you have to also understand that nobody comes to God, the Father, unless he is drawn. I had this conversation the other day, and I said, well, how did you get here? How did you get here? You know, people start talking about, oh, I was broken, this is that, blah, blah, blah. And that's all well and well. Let me tell you something why you're here. Because God orchestrated your life to get you to a point where you finally accepted that your faith wasn't in something, it was in someone, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Once you came to that conclusion, everything that you have heard, everything that you had 
recessed in your subconsciousness came up and wait a minute, Jesus, I heard Jesus when I was two. I heard about Jesus when I was three. I heard about Jesus when I was four. And guess what? It took all this journey along the way in which you're getting smacked and knocked up and fell down and you keep getting up and then someone speaks to you the word of God. And it blows up inside you. You have that Rima moment. You have that explosion, that aha moment. I got it. Like, don't get frustrated with the people that don't get it. It's not their time. Your job is to continue to sow that seed. Last week you heard that the scent ones just went out. It's beautiful because the Bible even says, listen, if they don't receive you, just take the dust off your feet and keep it moving. Keep it moving. Don't get upset because they ain't get it. When did you get it? How long it took you to get it? I know how long it took me to get it. 29 years. God was pursuing me. God was chasing me. God was calling to me. From the very beginning, that big white Bible that my mother opened up with the rosaries and the picture of Jesus on the wall. I remembered that. But I didn't embrace it. Come on, I'm not alone in this room. Don't act like you're all holy. We're all on this faith journey, but it's not a station. It's a journey. So we don't just stand on the station waiting for it to come. Our faith is active. It's not passive. It's in a person that is constantly moving through our lives in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's not stationary on a wall no more. It's not the symbols or the inanimate objects that we embrace. That's not what our faith is in. Our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul drops this text here, and he goes on to say some things because I love what it says here. It says, it was their faith, whose faith? The ancestors, those old timers, those predecessors, those people who came before us long, long time ago. And then he goes through every single name. If you read it, it just goes through, and the first person he mentions, <clears throat> of course, here is, it was their faith, what? We know that the world was made at God's command. And he says this, and he goes on to the next section. He says, we also know that what God, what, that what can be seen was made out of what cannot be seen. Now, here's the argument that we have to pause for a moment. Forgive me, I'm a teacher. I'm sorry. I just got to do this, okay? <laughs> Evolution believe that this single-cell amoeba came out of water and began to grow and walk and become Cro-Magnon man. Everybody got that? Yeah. The ape. So we're all monkeys. That's what it's saying. Crawled out of water. My question then is, where'd the water come from? They claim that this big bang happened. Everybody, come on now, right? Boom. My question then is, where do these objects come from? And this is where they take you around the ballpark. Right? They take you on this trip. Got this? I'd rather believe, right? Because these questions can be answered. I'd rather believe in this faith that says that this omnipotent God, this all-powerful, all-knowing God, created everything out of nothing and needed no help for any collision, needed no help from water. He created the water. He separated land from sky. He created the first 
people that existed out of nothing. Listen to me because this is really important. Your faith can't be because you see it. Your faith can't be because you have to hold it. Because these people in this Bible, this wall of faith, they never saw it. And the Bible says, blessed is he who does not see yet believes. You got to have faith in the one who has promised to make you whole, in the one who has come to seek out that which is lost. You have to believe that the one who is still healing people, delivering people, knocking down doors to get you out of your mess. He's faithful. He's faithful. Why do you continue to put faith in something that is unfaithful? And all of us in this room, we've been faithful to something. We've been faithful to our addiction, our drugs, you know, our relationships. And we've learned that they are unfaithful. They do not satisfy. If they did, we wouldn't need to do it over and over and over again. The Word of God tells me that when Jesus says, come and drink, of the water I have to offer you, you will never thirst no more. Because he's not offering you a water that we drink out of a potent spring bottle. He's offering you this living water, this water that gets down into your soul. Anybody on a hot day when you're really thirsty, take a drink of some cold water, and then it just goes through you? <laughs> like you feel such relief. Imagine having that every single day of your life. If you hold on to the hand of Jesus, you will realize that it's not a one-shot moment. It's not this dose. And when I said, I had this conversation with Pastor Edmund, I said, Pastor Edmund, what about this? Do you need to have faith before you believe? And, it's, and, and we were having this theological conversation. And I'm saying, wait a minute. Apparently, God started drawing me, keep the focus on myself, when I was very young. He began to orchestrate my life in a way that gets me to a point in my life where everything I think that I have, everything I think that I can do, everything I think that I am in control of, I come to this realization that I'm not. And on my knees and on my face, I cried out, listen to me, I cried out to God and he came. Like he was just waiting for me. Just waiting for me to stop chasing things. He was just waiting for me to stop pursuing other gods, small g. He was waiting for me to surrender. Now, if you're anything like me, I didn't come willingly. Come on now. I came kicking and screaming. Some of us had to come and the verge of, of, you know, at the borderline of somebody tells you, I don't love you no more, I don't want to be with you. You know, some of us, you know, came and we were broke. Some of us wind up came all messed up. But God used all that stuff to let you realize, even when you're broke, I love you. Even when they don't love you, I love you. Even when you think that nobody cares about you, I care about you. And sometimes we look at the circumstances the situations of our lives and we get scared. We don't know what's going to happen next. If I keep traveling this road, God, where is it going to take me? And some of us are too numb to consequences. We become desensitized. 
It's easy to do that in a big metropolis like New York City. We're always like hamsters running on this wheel trying to get somewhere. We're not pausing long enough to take in the beautiful creation of God and the provision of God in our lives on a regular basis. We take so many things for granted in the West. That's why some of us all have to go on a mission trip. All of us have to go. We got to wash at a river or eat something that moves on a plate. Everybody said, no, that's why I don't come to Jesus. She's going to ask me to do these things. No. He wants you exactly where you are, being the very best you can be while trusting in Jesus Christ. Paul drops this story here because it's important for everyone that's listening to it in Hebrews at that time to get this evidence of faith. He goes on to talk about Noah. He talks about Abraham. He talks about the Rahab, the prostitute, who didn't know about God, but she had heard about God. Is anybody listening to that? Because we're all on a faith journey. You've heard about God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it begins to happen along the way. Listen, how many people in this room, someone ever handed you a track in the street? A track in the street, Right? How many times you grew up and the people in the park were screaming in a microphone or on the sidewalks and you just kept walking by to do your shopping, right? Especially on Graham. Anybody around Graham? Right? Every other corner, right? Every other corner screaming and yelling through a horrible bullhorn, right? But even if you walked by and thought you weren't listening, God's word never returns void. God's word, when spoken, gets inside you. And many just posit itself, and maybe just sits there for five years. Maybe it just sits there for six years, but your faith is starting to get butted up. It's got to get butted up. It's seed is there. Now, it takes everything to begin to happen in your life for you to realize, man, God, are you for me or are you against me? God, are you there? God, I need you. You start having those conversations. The foxhole prayers that we pray, God, if you help me. See, I got to that point where I said, God, are you help me? But let me tell you something. You can't say, God, help me, so he can get you out of that mess, so you can get into another mess. See, God knows the sincere call of a heart that's broken, of a person who has surrendered. And that's when he shows up. That's when he comes into your life. Amen. You have to understand that all this, you know, like, like we have these superficial prayers, all these superficial things that we just say and do, right, so that we can go do it again. Right? Hey, I'm sorry. All right? I'm sorry. I didn't do it. And then you go out and do it again. And it's important for us to understand that in the scriptures, as Paul is talking about this faith, man, he goes on and on and on. And he says, this is what I love about this, because this is a powerful story in verse 5. Enoch had faith and did not die. He pleased God. Somebody say, pleased God. And God took him up to heaven. That's why his body was never found. Now, that sounds like something a third, you know, in of the third kind kind of thing, right? But this is the Bible. This is what it's saying. Now, for us, it looks far-fetched. But listen, for me, where I'm standing, if God says it, I believe it. Like he's got enough proof, enough evidence, right? It wasn't some of me, but I crawled out. It was God who created. God put the first woman and the first man on earth. God created the, you know, like, like these things for me, it had a better explanation because I searched it out. I was an evolutionist. I believed that all of us came from apes and that the tail fell off and the hair, you know, the hair came off as time progressed. I began to believe that and I taught that. 
until God interrupted my miserable life and said, wait a minute. You've been kicking the goat for a long time, and your faith is trying to take you somewhere. Your faith is leading us somewhere. All of us are on a faith journey. So it's leading us somewhere. And that somewhere is to the cross. It's at the foot of the cross where we surrender. It's at the foot of the cross where you come to realization that I've had this faith, but I've been putting my faith in things that are not faithful. I've been putting my faith on things. I've been putting my, my faith on people that, that are unfaithful. How can you put your faith in someone that disappoints you day in and day out? God is not like that. The Bible says that he is not man, that he would lie. He'll tell you the truth every single day of your life. You may not like it, but I got to tell you that if you receive the truth, it'll set you free. And he who is set free by Jesus Christ is free indeed. Freedom is available to us. I don't know how long you want to stay in bondage. I don't know how long you want to stay captive asking permission to go on a furlough so you can come to church. Like, I don't know how long you want to keep doing that. Like, I really want to be free. I enjoy my freedom. I enjoy getting up in the morning and being able to walk out when I want to, if I want to. I would never want to be in a position where I have to find myself, somebody telling me what to do, when to do it, how to do it, when to get up, when to eat. I never want to be in that situation. And I'm grateful that I'm, yeah, I have it. I'm not, you know, uh, condoning anybody in this room. I'm simply saying, man, now that you're here in this room and you realize that you're all on a faith journey and that you're going to have highs and lows, you're going to have peaks and valleys and twists and turns, but if you hold on to Jesus Christ, listen to me, if you hold on to Jesus Christ, the life you will experience will be an abundant life. You will never lack for anything. You will never be alone. Like I talk to people sometimes and say, oh, I'm alone. Man, appreciate being alone. Appreciate that. But you're never. Like God is always with you. And when you begin to realize that your faith is not in people, it's in him. It's in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that died at the cross. He's the only one that gave up his life and took the beating for you. Like he's the only one that hung there bloodied and still uttering words of forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't just talking to the people at the foot of the cross. He wasn't just talking to the Roman soldiers. He was talking to those people on a faith journey and they're still putting their faith in something and not in him. That's who he's talking to. He talked to me for 29 years. I'll forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. He's going to come. He's going to come. Man, if I had to wait 29 years for somebody to come, I'm done. I'm getting on that train. I'm out of here. But the, know, the one who knows every hair on your head, the one that knows your past, your present, and your future, the one who is long-suffering, the one who knows what he has created you for. He knows the vessels in this room. He knows how he's going to use them. So he'll wait. He'll wait patiently, but the Bible talks about that. We need to seek him while he can be found. Last week, the pastor talked about heaven and hell, and everybody wants to hear about heaven, but not about hell. Hell is not where you are right now. Hell is not your bottom of your addiction. It gets worse. It gets worse. The Bible talks about hell as a place of eternal fire. 
gnashing of teeth. You want to go to sleep? You can't go to sleep. You're hungry? You can't eat. You're thirsty? Your thirst will not be quenched. This is an eternal separation. And it was said last week that at the end, you're going to get what you've been wanting, except a little bit more of it. You want more of this world than what it's offering you? And you want to continue to reject the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Then you're going to get more of what you're getting now. But if you want more, and you're worshiping, and you're praising God, and you just love, listen, there is nobody perfect in this room. Can we all agree? Yes. All right, look to your neighbor and tell him you're not perfect. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right. All right, all right. Isn't that great, right? You had the opportunity to say what you've been thinking for a long time. But because of that, there is a perfect one who never sinned. There is one who we can trust. There is one we can rely on. See, my faith is not in some things, it's someone. I've identified that someone, and his name is Jesus Christ. And because of that, it's the Jesus that I run to on a regular basis. It's Jesus that I rely on on a regular basis. I build a relationship with him. And because of that relationship, again, I'm able to understand that what I see shouldn't affect me. Because in the midst of everything, God has reminded me that my life is in his hands. And no harm will come to me. And nothing will come to my life that he doesn't allow to continue to help me on this journey. Because I'm going to tell you something, I'm still on this journey. Like, I don't have to discover my faith. I know my faith, but now my faith is going to take me through moments in my life in which God is going to continue to work on me. I need a lot of work. All right? No, no amen. Stop that. What is wrong with you people? No, but I do. I'm not in denial of it. And, and, and the way that you don't get help, the way you don't get better, is when you're in denial thinking that you are better off than you think. So your assessment is way off because you have to realize, listen to me, we are all sinners. And because we're all sinners, we need a savior. You see, if I stay in this sinful state, I will be forever a sinner. If I come and accept a savior, I become a saint. Ooh, Saint Gus. I like the sound of that. <laughs> but think about that. I don't know how long you want to stay a sinner. Now, I understand that we all fall short of the glory of God, but my faith in the word of God, my faith in the person of Jesus Christ, lets me know that God is working things out for good. Working things out for good. Paul reminds me this. In Romans, he says he's working out for good. He reminds me that I am a new creature. And I say, oh, man, that feels good, but sometimes I don't feel new. Sometimes I feel very old. I feel like sending this body back to the manufacturer because my knees hurt, my back hurts, my neck hurts. Everything is in pain, God. You said I am new, but you're new on the inside. The Spirit of God, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, when your faith finally gets you to that place where you accept Jesus Christ, 
and all that he's done and all that he's promised to do, you immediately, your name gets written in the book of life. And there's a deposit made inside you of the Holy Spirit, God living within you to begin to help you to live a life that you could not live without him. You've been on a faith journey, and today if you're in your room, you have to understand that your faith is in Jesus Christ. And when you begin to embrace that, your faith journey now changes from being defeated to being a victor. Because you're walking with Jesus. You're walking with Jesus now. It says, I don't feel too victorious. Listen to me. It's already been done. It's already been done. It's already done. It's stamped. You don't have to keep striving to win. You already won by saying yes to Jesus Christ. I, like, I don't know why you want to be a loser. I don't understand that. Like, I don't. Like, you don't have to be. You choose to. You choose to. And I know that life has happened, but listen to me. That's been your faith journey. That's been your faith journey. And, and you have to understand that stuff is going to happen on this journey. Now, stuff that happens on this journey without Jesus are a lot harder than when things happen in your faith in Jesus in this journey as you're going along. Listen, we've lost some, we lost some loved ones. In this room, we've all lost loved ones. Stuff happens. When you have Christ in your life, he comforts you. He puts you in a community of people who comfort you. The reason we celebrate the month of July is so that as a church, we can remember one or two people that stood up and reached out to them and say, happy birthday, happy anniversary, happy clean day. Man, how you doing with that? It's so powerful for us to understand what community does. And our faith has to be that a community of believers are supposed to be loving each other in a way that the world will look in and say, what is going on in here? What are these people smoking? They look too happy. But it's not anything that we're ingesting. It's what's already in us. See, the joy of the Lord gets deposited in us, and it cannot be taken from you unless you give it away. Why would you do that? It's important for us to understand that our faith is not a station. It's a journey. It's not a one-time, you know, where you stand on the station, and if you're on this journey, you're waiting on this station, and you're just waiting for the train to come, and the train comes, and you say, oh, that's not my train. The journey doesn't start until you get on the train. The journey doesn't start until, not because you just sit in the car. You have to turn the ignition, you got to have gas, and you got to change gears and hit the pedal. That's when the journey starts. Other than that, you're just sitting idle. You're waiting for that bolt of lightning to come. You're waiting for the sea to part. And, and, and our faith, the Bible says, that we walk by faith. Listen to that word because it's a verb, walk. It means move. It means move. I, I, I got faith I'm going to get that job, but I'm sleeping 10 hours. I got faith that that relationship is going to get better, but I'm not doing anything to make it better. I got faith that my kids are going to grow up godly, but I ain't teaching them nothing except putting them in front of the TV so they can watch Chucky. 
I got faith that I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm not going to touch that. Get up and move. Get on your knees and you pray. And let your actions correspond with your prayers. God, I want more of you. If anything you should want more of in this room is of Jesus. Is of Jesus. Is of Jesus. Nobody else. Faith is not a station, it's a journey. Our faith is not in something, it is in someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ. You're going to have turns, lines, ups, downs, those things are going to happen. But I got to tell you, I've experienced these things without Jesus. And when you experience the hardships of life, and they will come, it's not if, they will come, you'll begin to reach for things. You begin to want things to help you ease the pain. Last month, we've seen these rash of suicides from people who we look to. Like they got it going on. Her hair is so straight. He, he talks so well. But we don't know what's going on in people's lives, in their hearts, in their minds, the things they've had to endure. And people say, oh, how could people with so much money want to do that? It's because the money is not enough. Money is not enough. Things are not enough. You can fill your life with things, but it's in moments where you feel your worst that your faith kicks in. Because your faith is not in something, it's in someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, you get up and face tomorrow no matter what comes your way. Why? No matter what comes your way. Here's what I know. When I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in me. Perfect in me. So I put one foot in front of the other. I get up and I try again. Now, I've messed up more than anyone in this room. I'm still messing up. But by the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of a Savior who continues to advocate for me, who continues to be a mediator and an intercessor for me, even when the enemy accuses me of being a half-baked Christian. Jesus reminds he may be half-baked, but he's still in the oven. Oh, no. Why? Because he is not done with me yet. And he is not done with you. And do not despise small beginnings because everything starts small. Everything starts small. And it's so important for you to understand that what he has started in you, he's going to finish. And man, I got to tell you something. All he knows how to do is perfect. It's all he knows how to do. So if you stay and you stand 
and you trust and you hold on to the hand of Jesus on this faith journey, no matter what comes, you'll be able to persevere because perseverance is leading to the character of Jesus Christ. And there's a world that needs to know that those who have been sent are not perfect, but we want to introduce you to the one who is. Amen? We follow to know. That's why I follow Jesus. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to continue to understand why I do the things I do and keep asking God to help me in this process. I could not, I could not stand before you and tell you that I'm not on this journey. I am. I continue to be. I try to stay away from the news as much as possible because the things that happen just wreck you. But I also know that this, bro this world was broken. The minute that sin entered, it was broken. And because of the first Adam, we all entered and were born into sin. No matter how cute that little baby looks, give that little baby a couple of years, you walk into the room and the vase is broken and you'll ask it what happened and it'll say, I don't know. <laughs> you don't have to teach us to lie. You don't have to teach us how to be bad. We already know how to do that because of the first Adam. But here's what my faith in the word of God says, that because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, that slate can be wiped clean. All my sins, oh man, if I listed them, we'd be here for the longest. All my sins. The minute I come to Jesus Christ and accept and believe and confess that he is the Son of God, the Savior of my soul, it's wiped away. It's cast in the deepest part of the sea and a no fishing sign gets home. It's available to all of us. You're on a faith journey. Whether you believe it or not, you're on a faith journey. And God has brought you here today to remind you that you've had faith in some things, but not in Jesus Christ. You had faith in some people, but not in Jesus Christ. You've been disappointed and you've been let down. Because you trusted in someone that you thought would be faithful. You trusted in something that you thought would be faithful. 1929 was the biggest crash that we experienced economically. Everybody placed their faith in the stock market. And it crashed. And when it crashed, you saw people jumping out of buildings. See, I stand before you knowing that whether I have or don't have, whether I am loved or not loved on this plane, I know that he loves me. Amen. And can I just say that his love is unconditional. You don't have to work for it. It's already been done. I, I wish that you would smash that construct of what you think Jesus is about. 
Jesus is not about work harder. Jump here, go through here, read your Bible more, pray more. It's about just you accepting the fact that he's done it all for you. On that cross, the reason that he could say it is finished is because no longer do you have to succumb to sin. You all can be free. We all can be free. That freedom is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you once again because I know that where would I be without you? I know that in the midst of everything that goes on in my life that you are present. You promise to be there always. And because of that, Lord, I pray right now for the person in this room that's on a faith journey has been invited here today and they've never said yes to Jesus Christ. I pray that person in this room right now would realize, Lord, that right now, this moment could be their birthday. A new birth. Born again. The opportunity to live a new life. Not the same life with a bag of tricks, just a new life. So I speak to that person in this room that needs you and needs to make a confession of faith at this moment. Brother and sister, if that's you in this room right now, don't let this moment pass by. Jesus wants to come into your life and begin to make sense of it. Begin to order things and put things in its place and give you a new perspective on life. But most importantly, he wants to empower you, empower you to live the life that for the longest you could not live. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, your faith journey has brought you here so you, you can identify that your faith is not in something but in the person of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to embrace you. I want to remind you of the love of Jesus for you. If you're in this room and you're on this journey and you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand and allow him to come into your life.